On your PC, iPod or smartphone, this is the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Coming up on the 19th edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast, we head abroad to see how women's footy is developing overseas. First stop, we head to the UK to catch up with the Melbourne University muggers Lauren Spark, who's playing for the Wimbledon Hawks in the AFL London women's competition. Then it's across the Atlantic Ocean to Canada, where we catch up with Holly Costanza in Quebec. And then finally, it's to New York City, where we catch up with the women's director of the US AFL, Andrea Casillas. All that coming up on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the 19th edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast and as we've said at the top of the podcast it's a very special edition as we go overseas to find out what's happening in England, Canada and the USA. We thought we'd do something a little different and if you've also got a story idea about people we should be talking to in Australia or anywhere around the world about women's footy feel free to drop us a line via our Facebook page Girls Play Footy or send us an email girlsplayfootyradio.com at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. First of all, we go across to the UK and we catch up with a woman who used to play for the Melbourne University Muggers. She represented Victoria and played for the Western Bulldogs in a couple of the AFL women's exhibition matches. She was also a champion beach volleyball player. Her name is Lauren Spark. And Sparky, thanks for joining us on the line all the way from London. Uh, Tell us, how long have you been over there now in the UK? Uh, So coming on my third month now, so three months in total um, I've been here. I've got only a few weeks to go before I start travelling, which is which is going to be nice through the summer. Yeah, and what's all the uh, decision for you to move over to the UK? Just a chance before uh, hitting the big 3-0 to use up the visa? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wasn't going to mention it, but now you have. It was it was the main, main reason of mine to kind of hit 29 last year and I was like, oh, I really need to, to do something. I'd had the same sort of job in the same school for the last few years and then I was like right I need to need to get out and do some stuff and then yeah just all came came to plan I was yeah ready to take some long service leave at work I got a year's leave and then um yeah I was able to book um flights over and and visit some friends on the way over as well in Switzerland so um yeah it's all kind of it all came into place um late last year now, before we get on to talking about uh, you being in the UK, of course, uh, first of all, you were originally a beach volleyball player. Uh, what brought you across to playing uh, Aussie Rules football and, and joining the Melbourne Uni Muggers? Yeah, so, again, volleyball was kind of hit a stalemate with in terms of finding partners and sponsorship and, and like most, most sports and female sports. So then uh, it was time for a change and, and to learn a new sport and I actually had a, a good friend of mine, Esther Hassett, um, her and I worked together and we um, got started talking. She said, yeah, come down and try the football. I'd always wanted to, but I'd had netball and beach volleyball and other kind of non-contact sports. I had to watch, make sure my body didn't get injured and whatnot. Mum was always a bit, bit worried about um, the contact of football, so... Um, yeah, so I was like, all right, well, it's probably about time I, I gave it a go. And that was, the rest is, I guess, history. I went down to a pre-season maybe three years ago now uh, through the summer and, and never went back to beach volleyball after that. So it's been pretty pretty good since then. 
And uh, we've actually been talking about the likes of Ebony Rose Antonio, who was a WNBL basketballer who's come across to play footy. Uh, Kirby Bentley, who was a netballer, come across to play footy. For you making that transition, did, did it come naturally and it was just a short amount of time before picking up the skills and uh, to be required to play uh, Premier Division football? Obviously, it's a completely different sport. It's a summer sport compared to a winter sport. It's two people versus 18 on the field. It's sand on grass. So it's a, they're completely different. But I guess just um, having the general knowledge of, of how sport, sporting teams work and I guess um, hand-eye coordination came fairly naturally. And I played all sorts of sports as a kid and I'd always had a kick around of the football. I never had uh, – I don't have brothers or anything, but I had lots of male friends that we'd just muck around together as, as kids and, and in the playground. So that's how it all really, um, yeah, came about. So the transition wasn't too bad. Um, I guess just getting used to that many girls around and, and um, yeah, a bit more – a bit muddy and a bit colder and – and whatnot, as opposed to running around on the beach in a bikini. Now, of course, you had the opportunity to, to pull on the big V and you played in the exhibition games as well, playing for the Western Bulldogs. Um, I believe when you went across about th- uh, three months ago, it was maybe just before the announcement that that looked like 2017 would be the year that there'd be a, uh, a women's national comp. Was that playing on your mind at all, knowing that you'd be missing a year of uh, at least footy in Melbourne? Yeah, look, it was playing on my mind anyway, the, the chance that I could be possibly drafted again for the two games. So I was disappointed to miss out on one, let alone two. And now I've heard of of it possibly... Uh, well, I think the next game's definitely going to be um, shown broadcast on, on television. So that's that's another chance that I've missed out on. Again, to 2017... Um, well, 2020 was definitely out of the question for me in terms of probably my age and, and whatnot. But 2017, I think... That's probably put me back a bit moving over here, but um, I, I don't know if 2017 was even realistic for me. It's another two years away. I'm still getting a bit older and um, things change, so I'm, I'm not too sure really um, what the future holds for football, but I'm just yeah really enjoying um, teaching and learning um, over here. So, of course, you moved across the UK. You're teaching at the moment. How did you end up getting uh, wound up with with AFL London and the Wimbledon Hawks? Yes, yeah, so I was like, I was pretty upset that I was going to be missing football. That was probably the main thing, other than family and friends, of course, that I'd be missing back home. So um, I thought, right, I need to, need to get involved over here. Obviously, quite a few Australians move over and, and whatnot, and... I ended up just doing some research. I found out that there was a new new women's league starting. Uh, they'd have four teams uh, starting up, and then originally I emailed all four of them. Just said, "Look, I'm I'm super interested. Uh, let me know when training's on. I'm not sure where I'm living yet, or what's going to be easiest for me to get to. I wasn't familiar with any of the transport and 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 areas around here. So once I finally worked out where I was living, it was um, yeah, came down to the the Wimbledon Hawks um, was going to be the closest and, and most accessible, I think. And uh, that's where you managed to sign up and play in the Wimbledon Hawks at the moment, uh, top of the table. Just to get an insight in, into the competition, what is the makeup like with the teams? Are we looking at uh, majority expats? Uh, is there a good number of, uh, of uh, uh, English-born women wanting to play the game? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I think personally with our club, the, the Wimbledon Hawks, ours is probably the most diverse in terms of um, 
nationalities represented, I guess. So um, we've got yeah girls from from all around. There's there are quite a, a lot of Australians throughout the, the men's and the women's leagues over here, but there are still um, still some English and and all sorts of there's Kiwis, we've got a couple of Germans, Scottish. Um, so there's there's a mix of of all of that. And I know at the Hawks we've got two very passionate. Um, locals that are running the uh, the men's and, and the women's presidents there. So um, yeah, so I think it, it's it's a mix. It's it's probably there are quite a lot of Australians, yeah. But um, I think the more and more people that get to see it and are exposed to it, the more that they're they're becoming involved. And with yourself, because you're an experienced player, do you see yourself almost taking on a pseudo coaching role to be able to teach those that are new to the women's game in uh, the UK? Yeah, look, I, I kind of came over and uh, obviously they've they've been established for quite a while, the men's teams especially, and um, obviously having a female come over and kind of tell them, do this, do that, was probably not what I wanted to do. So I, I eased my way into it and and then, well, when I say eased, by the second session I was kind of running a, a, a couple of drills and whatnot. But um, they, I, I've really enjoyed bringing the, the skills and knowledge that I've, I've learnt from back home over and the girls especially are just so receptive to to anything that that has been said from me and anyone else that's got that experience um they're just so willing to learn and um it's it's such a great team environment everyone's just so supportive so um and and we knew it was a new league we knew it was a new competition a new sport so we're all learning um every game we're coming up with new rules we have to explain and and new tactics and and skills that we need to work on and build on so it's it's continually learning from from when I first got here to the end of the season I think so and how do those uh, rules and playing services etc differ to what we're obviously used to here in Australia oh in terms of rules there's really no rules um the only there's there's no rule changes all the same 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 tackling same skip base the only thing that, that varies is just the amount of girls on each team. Um, as, as we've said, it's the first year that the league's been around, so some clubs are still struggling to field a full side, so we just have to kind of weigh up how many girls are, are there and who's available on the day and how many, how many we're going to play um, on that day. And uh, how about uh, how easy is it for the, or, um, uh, the sides to be able to get some grounds? Is it similar to here in Australia, essentially taking over cricket grounds uh, uh, during the year? Yeah, well, the pre-season cup, the, we actually ended up on a, um, a rugby pitch, uh, so they kind of made it oval-like with some with some cones, um, and then the goalposts aren't around, so it literally it's the rugby post and then a couple of sticks either side, so um, we're doing with what we can. Some of the ovals um, have have a proper full-size ground and, and proper goalposts, but we kind of have to make do with some of the, the rugby pitches and, and soccer fields they've got over here um, and just adjust those accordingly, I think. Well, we see occasionally every now and again on YouTube the odd report that comes through of um, uh, of some school somewhere is taking on uh, Aussie rules for their kids. Being a teacher, are you able to tell us if, if there's any schools, at least in the area that you're at, that it's trying to take it on as part of the curriculum? <laughs> uh, I'm trying. It's not <laughs> happened yet, but... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely definitely trying to expose it. I'd love to be able to run around with a bag of footballs and, and get the football in, in a heap of kids' hands because I think grassroots is a big part of it. Um, 
with any any development of any sport um, in any country. So I think ideally love to be able to, to take that around and, and show it around and, and expose everyone to how great our sport is and um, knowing the girls that I've and guys that I've met over here that have never seen the game, never heard of it and then get involved and, and just fall in love with it, I think I think the kids would be the same. So that, that could be possibly an opportunity down the track that I might um, might be looking into. Now, uh, last year the International Cup was held in Melbourne. There's quite a number of men t- men's teams, but uh, there was only about five women's side, I- including two from the um, pardon me, seven, I think there might have been. There was two at least from uh, the USA yeah. and two from uh, Canada. N- nothing uh, excluding from Ireland from the European region coming down, but I believe that's changing. And uh, England have uh, set up their own women's international side. They have, they have. They've got the um, they've got the England uh, vixens looking to uh, play next year. So, um, yeah, we, we played against some of the Irish girls um, on the weekend. We took a trip up to Newcastle, which was nice, and um, played against some of those girls who were actually down in, in Melbourne and played the um, the, the post-game of, of Diamond Creek Melbourne Uni last year. Um, so I got to meet some of those girls last weekend. And, yeah, the English girls are definitely looking to, to field a team of um, British citizens to to go over, I think they head over to Croatia um, soon enough. I think later, a bit later August, in the year. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. So they head over there, which will be um, which will be good for them, and, and hopefully some more exposure for our sport, which will be good. Actually, I'll correct myself. That AFL Europe Cup uh, over in uh, Croatia coming up in October. Is there any chance that they could October, the, yeah. yeah? Is there any chance they could put the phone call into you while you're uh, touring around Europe and maybe uh, be a ring in? Look, they can definitely call me, but I think and in court, I'm not sure about the rules yet. I haven't really looked into it, but um, I think it's got to be a British citizen. So I miss out on the playing role. There might be some sort of other coaching developmental support role that I might look into. Um, I, I possibly will be around for October, so I don't think I will be able to pull on the boots though for that one. So I'll leave it to them. And, uh, Lauren, just before we let you go, um, when can your uh, Melbourne Uni uh, friends and family uh, expect you back home? <laughs> oh, um, well, they won't be expecting me back for this season, that's for sure. Um, they'll, they could possibly see me over over the pre-season um, through the summer. Um, and then I'm not too sure what, what 2016 holds yet. I've... I have no plans as to whether I'll be back, whether I'll be staying in Melbourne. So it's kind of all up in the air at the moment. I've I've really enjoyed my my time over here. I've enjoyed being part of the Wimbledon Hawks and and just getting to know a whole heap of different people, new places. So I think there's probably still some more travelling and exploring to do next year, which may probably keep me away from from the muggers again for another year. And I thank Lauren very much for her time and wish her safe travels as uh, she heads around uh, Europe after her stint in the UK. Now it's time to head across the Atlantic Ocean to Canada. And around AFL Quebec, there's a number of teams that are playing women's footy, and one player that's involved is Holly Costanza, who's also been selected in the Northern Lights Canada side that will take on the USA Freedom on the 1st of August in the 49th Parallel Cup. And it's great to have Holly on the line. Holly, can you explain to us Australians, what's the women's footy rivalry like between Canada and the USA? Well, we're pretty much, I guess, one of our biggest competitions since we 
play against them quite often a year, usually twice a year. Um, beginning of preseason, we have what's called preseason tournament where a couple of the teams from the states will come down and will play against us uh, Quebec team. Um, and last time we played them on the Parallel Cup in 2013, we beat them 86-1. to So I think the, uh, the stakes are pretty high for them when it comes to us playing on their turf this time. Uh, yes, that game being in Fort Lauderdale. Now, before we uh, get to that, let's rewind back a bit. You're obviously playing for the Ontario Swans in uh, the AFL Quebec uh, women's competition. Can you explain the makeup of that? I believe that it's nine-a-side football over there. That's right. Uh, this year, the first year joining with AFL Quebec, so we divided our Swans team into two uh, sub-teams so we can play more often um, as well as our 18 sides with the Swans for the Montreal Angels. We also have two sub-teams as well. So now we play, uh, we have uh, nine rounds of nine-to-five games and then three rounds for 18 to five games. And that, of course, uh, as uh, AFL Quebec. And, and uh, do you get the opportunity to take on the other sides around Canada? How, how does the women's football structure work there in Canada? Uh, well, we are kind of grouped off into our, uh, our provinces somewhat. Um, we do some exhibition games. Uh, throughout the year, depending on the game schedules with other teams from Ontario, uh, we do have that preseason tournament at the beginning of the season where we'll ha- invite all the teams across Ontario, the Quebec, as well as the States to come down and play uh, a couple rounds as well. Um, and then we have our Northern Lights team that will get the rest of the group from around Canada together and to play. Now, can you explain the, the growth of women's footy in Canada? Um, what's it like uh, when you, we look at the percentage of players between those that are naturally from Canada or Australian expats that have ended up there? Um, it's definitely grown quite a bit since I first even heard of uh, Aussie Rules, which is about four years ago. Um, it's starting to really grow, pick up. We do a lot of uh, recruiting and advertising because most people have no idea what we're doing, and then they see this, and they see that woman can play this, and they start getting hooked and start doing uh, little demonstrations, and it's, it's really grown quite a bit, and we have it all over Canada from uh, at west, um, east, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger, and more teams are developing now, and more girls are coming out, and um, it started for us anyways as just 10 girls. Now we're up to almost 30, which is awesome. And how did you first stumble across Aussie Rules? Uh, one of my friends, who's also now our assistant coach, um, knew someone on our men's team when we first started, and they were trying to get a women's team together. So she, uh, we used to go to school together, play sports together, so she said, come out and try it. And honestly, I thought it was track and field for some reason when I first started, and then I realized from this YouTube clip, and I was just like, I have to play that. And uh, started, got hooked right away, and haven't looked back. And what's it been like trying to get the uh, media's attention over there in Canada to try and get as many eyes as possible on uh, Aussie rules? At first, um, it was a little tricky trying to explain and trying to get out there. But after our first season, um, it actually it picked up quite a bit. I think seeing that women could play this tough sport and how different it was, people were intrigued. And once we started going more about it, they just had to know. So. Um, we have a couple of people on the inside who helped us put some in those free newspapers as well as advertisement posters. Um, we recently had a clip on a morning uh, TV news, which was great, which, again, gets more word out there. And now I can actually say all the rules and not have people say, what? Football? Rugby? They actually have an idea of what I'm talking about now. 
Uh, there's been a lot of talk, obviously, um, in Australia, uh, particularly at state football level over here, how the game is getting more and more professional for women in the terms of how they're preparing themselves to go about each season, particularly now that there's talk of a, a national league that may be starting up in 2017. Um, in the four years that you've been uh, playing in Canada, have you noticed a, a difference in the professionalism about how players are going preparing for uh, each season? Um, it's definitely, the intensity of it has definitely stepped up, um, from what I've noticed, and uh, with the more experience going on, we're able to, what used to be very, I don't want to say basic training, but um, kind of not knowing what intensity level was required, or speed, or things like that, we've definitely stepped it up, we've set higher bars and goals that we've all been achieving, and more frequent training sessions as well, and that's really helped, and people just they want to push, they have those goals they want to make, and everyone comes together and they really help each other out and encourage each other, and it's, it's been awesome. Now, last year you had the opportunity to uh, come across to uh, Melbourne and play in the AFL International Cup. Um, leading up to that, uh, what effort uh, has to be put in by the girls, not only get selected, but uh, I guess to be funded to get across to Australia to play in this tournament? Oh, we've been, uh, it was basically two years in the making, so from then on we've been advertising, uh, working on fundraisers. Um, a lot of it was all individually done where we would set up uh, certain websites that would help fund us by just explaining what we're doing out there. Um, doing our best to give back to the community as well so they can see us working towards that goal, not just going over there for a fun trip and seeing us work hard and they want to support us. They followed our journey because we blog about it as well, um, which helps hugely. And they want to see that success, especially for the women's team. So that really really pushed it forward, but it's all about kind of who you know, that big support from friends and family, other teammates, uh, teams across Canada as well to help each other out. And for you, was this your first trip across to Australia? Yes. And how did you find the experience, and was it was it made a little bit easier when the likes of uh, Kendra and Amy that had it already come across and, and been here before? Uh, uh, that definitely helped just to kind of prepare us on uh, what to somewhat expect. Um, what to bring um, it was it's an incredible journey for sure um, I didn't really know exactly what to expect going there um, it's been a dream to go to Australia but just even seeing how much it has grown and having our team duffel bags with AFL Canada on it and having just the men on the train seem like wait you put AFL and then they see all these girls like yeah this whole team of us dressed in this Canada gear being like oh well, how are you doing and then we gave them these little uh, business head cards that had our games on it, and the support we got just in the few weeks we were there, they would come out just because they saw us on the train thinking, wow, these girls are so we got to see this. Uh, it was incredible. It was incredible to play in a country that everyone knows the sport and are rooting for us as well, especially coming from all the way across the world. And I believe uh, when you were over here, you actually, uh, you and the men were based at the uh, Port Melbourne Football Club at uh, North Port Oval um, for your training. And uh, may I say to everyone on the podcast as well, being a Port Melbourne supporter, there's a little bit of bias from me there as well. Um, uh, for, for us Melbournians, I guess sometimes we take for granted the MCG because we live here every day, we see it, it's just part of the city, part of our life. For you coming to Australia for the first time, what was your thoughts laying your eyes on this 100,000 seat stadium? Oh, wow. It was, it was the holy grail of, of fields and stadiums and ovals. It was 
things we dream on to talk about but never thought we'd ever have that opportunity to see it, let alone step foot in it and kind of run that curve through, like the grass in your hands type of thing. Um, it was incredible. And just to see, just the seat of how big it actually is in person when you're standing there in the middle and walking around it, it was, uh, I was almost speechless with it. It was very, uh, it was incredible. Now, of course, uh, in the women's tournament of the International Cup, the, the favourites were Ireland. They'd won it before, and, of course, uh, people expecting Ireland to, to win it again because of the natural um, style of Gaelic football that women were playing in Ireland and the skills that can transition across to uh, Aussie rules. Do you remember the thoughts and feelings going into that uh, championship final day uh, up against uh, Ireland at Punt Road Oval? Oh, wow. Um, my mind never really crossed. We, we knew it did be a tough Team, uh, but we worked so hard as a team together uh, for those two years, and we were well prepared, ready to battle up, battle it quarter by quarter. And uh, you know, we were nervous, but we, we weren't afraid, and uh, we left everything on the field. And it showed leading up to all those games that you know we just worked so well together as a team. We could have that look at each other's eyes and knew exactly what was going to happen next, and it, it showed on the field, and it was it was awesome. And, of course, in the end, uh, you were champions and uh, a title which you get to hold, I guess, for the uh, uh, next three years until the next International Cup rolls around. Um, before we let you go, for um, AFL Quebec and uh, the women's football in AFL Canada, where do you see it going in the next couple of years? What What do you hope will happen? Oh, I hope for us just to keep growing and gaining more girls and more teams so we can even have more games and uh, getting it out there where... It's not such a, the recruiting is almost too easy because we have people waiting for that next season to come and join up versus having the coffee go out and try to convince girls that this is a great sport and you won't be missing out. And um, the more teams we can get out, the better it's going to be and the, the more it's going to grow and the more, the bigger we can get. And we thank Holly very much for her time. And joining us online now on girlsplayfooty.com from the USAFL, the women's director in Andrea Casillas. Uh, Andrea, thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, Andrea, first of all, for yourself, how did you become involved in uh, Aussie Rules? Oh, wow. So it happened about 10 years ago. I was, uh, I was living in Arizona at the time. I actually grew up in Arizona. And um, a friend had wanted to start a women's team. Um, his wife was playing, um, and he just thought it would be really cool to have an, a women's component to the Arizona Hawks. Uh, he tried. He tried convincing me for a few months, and finally I relented and went to a training and just had the best time. And then I kept on going to trainings, and they somehow convinced me to attend the USAFL Nationals, um, and my first game was at a national tournament. <laughs> and it's stuck ever since. So when I moved to New York City, um, my friend, Christina Licata, she and I uh, co-founded the New York uh, Magpies, the women's team here. And how difficult is it to start a new Aussie rules side uh, overseas? I mean, obviously, it's a little bit easier here in Australia because essentially cricket ovals double up as football ground. So it's it's pretty easy to find a space and start up a club. How difficult is it to do that overseas? You know, it, it, it's probably as difficult as it sounds. Um, there was already a men's team that has been established, but... Not a lot of Australian women were playing at that time. It was oh, probably about eight years ago. Um, 
So when Christine and I knew we were moving to New York, um, we saw the New York men's team at the Nationals previous to our move and told them, oh, we'll be there. We're going to start a women's team. And they all just kind of kind of laughed and, you know, oh, cool, we'll see you there. Um, and then their first day of training, we showed up, and they were, <laughs> they were very surprised. Um, but, it, I mean, it, the challenge is both, at the time, convincing Australian women to play and that Australian women would play, and then also getting American women to try a sport that they had never heard of. Um, so, yeah, it was a little bit challenging, but it, it brings out a whole, a, a really interesting type of person, someone that's interested in trying a new game, someone who isn't afraid of the word tackling. Um, and usually that means that you get a bunch of women who are, who are athletic, adventurous, um, and pretty much leaders in their own respective areas <laughs> in life. <laughs> And you're now obviously director of the USAFL for uh, for women. How did how did you come into that role? So um, the, my predecessor, Kat Hogg, she uh, she was the first director, and probably I mean she wouldn't claim to be the founder of Women's Footy in the U.S., but definitely one of the founders. Um, and so just as far as my involvement, she kind of recruited me after the 2009 tour. Um, in Australia, and kind of went from there, and it's just been one of those things where um, the the amount of women, the excitement of women wanting to get involved, and especially get involved with their clubs, um, has been really has been really motivating. And just to see the how 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 quickly women are willing to chip in and uh, and help out is great. So it's been a really I've been really fortunate to be women's director. Uh, currently at the moment, how many women's sides are there across the USA and, and how often are they able to get together and play competitive matches? Right, so there are probably about 10 women's sides, I would say 10 to 15, um, but there are various sizes. So I, our largest team would be the Minnesota Freeze, uh, and they actually have two women's sides. Uh, that is nothing, <laughs> no one else has been able to do that yet, but we also have smaller teams that... Range from anywhere between five to ten. So we play each other pretty frequently. Um, we try to keep the traveling at a minimum. So most players or most teams will travel within their region. Um, but this year, the USAFL has held central regional tournaments. So there's a Western regional tournament, Central regional tournament, Eastern regional tournament, where all the teams can kind of get together and mitigate that traveling and the cost associated and then uh, we see each other at our national tournament in October which this year is in Austin and how important is it um, uh, for the development of women's football in the USA to have sides like last year the St Norban Spurs from Victoria uh, come across and tour throughout the country you know it's really important and um, I I think that it's, it's hard to translate uh, the level of play that the, the freedom or the representative teams from the various countries see when they travel to Australia. Uh, so to get a team like St. Albans to come and play, play the U.S. teams in, in whatever capacity, I mean, we weren't anticipating that any of the U.S. teams would beat St. Albans, but 
we were hoping that all the women's teams and all the players who didn't have the opportunity to play on the Freedom at the IC, um, we were we were hoping that they would just see the level of play and understand that everyone's kind of push up their game a little bit more. And uh, it, it, it paid in, in, in these days for us just because, I mean, some of our reps never knew you could run up and jump to the ball. They just thought you had to stand underneath the ball to ruck. And just various little things that they picked up um, that more experienced players like myself or other women that have been around for a while, they know, but these are things that we don't think to teach because these are things that we just kind of take for granted as instead knowing. So, yeah, having St. Albans was great, um, and it was just a wonderful, positive experience, I think, for both, both the U.S. and St. Albans. With the rapid development of social media, um, obviously the internet over the last 15 years, particularly with YouTube and now Twitter and Facebook, how easier has it been to get the message out there and spread the gospel of women's Aussie rules? Yeah, you know, it's really easy to get get the message and it's really easy to get support. Um, but it's, there's still that, that, that little cliff as far as getting people to actually participate um, because they see all these women doing these amazing things and associate it with something that they do versus something or versus versus something that the person can actually do themselves. So, I mean, convincing someone that they could also mark a footy um, on the run or they can take a tackle or uh, kick the ball however far um, is, is still a little bit of a of a that we have to get over, but um, it, it's easier in the sense of uh, for, uh, creating the community that we want to create, and that ends up drawing out more people uh, that than I think we could ever expect. We talk about, obviously, um, senior women's footy, but uh, how's Aussie Rules also been developing in the US at a junior level, or as we call over here in Australia, youth girls level, those under 18? Yeah, you know, I think that's something that we're still lacking and something that we need to work on. Um, we do have one youth league in Baltimore, and I think that's been going for about 10 years. Um, and they, they have really great numbers. But this is the one thing that uh, I've seen, at least in my participation with the, with the league, is that there are we need to get more people involved in running these kinds of things because um, the people that are already running um, aspects, whether it's the admin aspects or helping run a club, there's only so much they can do, especially since no one's getting paid. Um, so getting the youth involved uh, would be something that I think it has to be our next goal. Um, I know various clubs do go and participate in some kind of um, kids, kids physical education day or something uh, across the U.S., and I know New York has done it several times with uh, the Australian community that we have here, but really establishing some kind of junior league, I think, has to be our next goal. You've got coming up uh, in August the 49th Parallel Cup up against um, Canada. You've just announced the um, uh, USA Freedom uh, squad that'll be a uh, getting ready to play at Fort Lauderdale against the Canadians. Um, how difficult is it to try and get the best of the best of the USA from across the country to Fort Lauderdale to play as a team, train as a team, um, considering that, um, you know, particularly anything from the East Coast to the West Coast, they'll rarely ever get to see each other before the game. Yeah, 
right. So cough is always a factor, um, but I don't think that's anything new to women's footy in general. Um, but we've made more strides as far as utilizing these regional tournaments or the various kinds of the teams that you get get to get together throughout the year. Um, the coaching staff for the Freedom and the Liberty are also from across the country. So uh, they are tasked with, with trying to organize the various kinds of, whether it's just working on skills, maybe having a short talk after a game, doing the various things that they need to do to make sure that um, we're building and growing and learning throughout the year so that when we come together at the Parallel Cup, we can we can kind of sync together quickly because it has to happen <laughs> pretty quickly. Um, but also so that the players know each other, coaches know what to expect, um, and players know what to expect. Uh, obviously, uh, this year, the Canadians uh, sent across uh, two of their players in uh, Kendra Heil and uh, Amy Legault, um, who are playing currently now in uh, Melbourne before Amy uh, had her knee injury. They, they were hoping they had their names up in the AFL women's draft and were very unlucky not to get uh, selected. Um, how far do you think away that the USA might be to sending across one or two players to play uh, competition football in Melbourne and hope that they get selected for one of these AFL exhibition matches, or possibly from 2017 onwards, the uh, actual Women's National League? Right, right. You know, first of all, just having Amy and Kendra there was was such an awesome thing to see. I know both of them off the field, and I can't uh, can't begin to say how proud I am of them for even, even going and giving it a go, but just to be a contender in that draft is so amazing. Um, and I actually think having them there to having them there representing just international women in general, uh, I think really helps. It really sets the stage and uh, the the level that players should expect to be playing if they're if they're even thinking about playing on the competitive level. Um, but before that, we do want to, and we are we do have a couple players there, um, just trying to get more experience. Um, and we have had a couple, actually we've had one that just returned and she ended up uh, transitioning from the Liberty to the Freedom. So the more experience that we can get, we're, we're happy to send players there and happy to support them however we can. Um, and I think the ultimate goal would, would be to participate in whatever draft or how, whatever comp- competitive level that we can get them at. Well, Andrea, thank you very much for joining us here on uh, girlsplayfooty.com. We wish you and the USAFL all the very best throughout season 2015 and the 49th Parallel coming up in August. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. And I thank Andrea very much for her time. And that wraps up our international uh, special edition of the Girls Play Footy podcast. I'm Peter Holden. Thank you very much for joining us. And don't forget, if you've got a story or idea about someone we need to be chatting to anywhere around Australia or around the world to do with women's footy, make sure to drop us an email, girlsplayfootyradio at gmail.com. That's girlsplayfootyradio at gmail.com. Or contact us via our Girls Play Footy Facebook page. Until next time... It's bye for now.